Hey everyone, welcome back to Explain Like I'm 5 or ELI 5. We are the weekly podcast where we take the questions you always wanted to ask and talk about them in a way that is easy to understand. We are your hosts, I'm Tim. And I'm Kevin. This week we're talking about wine, like a five-year-old. It is the end of the week, I could use a drink of wine. So the question is, where does wine get its taste? And specifically, why can everything be tasted in wine from the climate to the soil? But one thing that's never mentioned is pesticides. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the best way to think about it is in terms of how these different variables impact the vine. Okay, tell me more. So the climate is the obvious one, right? Uh, Other things being equal, a warmer climate or growing season will lead to more ripe grapes with more sugar, uh, riper tannins, and decreased acidity. A cooler climate will result in less sugar, more acid, and firmer tannins in a red wine. There are a number of other considerations to do with the particular situation of the vineyard, the length of the growing season, but this is enough to give you an idea how you could taste the climate in the wine. Okay, that makes sense. So temperature and therefore geography matters. That's why Mm -hmm. we have wine regions. Yeah, geography is a big deal. So it depends on how much and when rainfall occurs in a given given growing season that has the biggest impact on wine. So if a vine gets too much water, particularly towards the end of the ripening, the grapes tend to swell and the flavors actually get diluted. So for this reason, a lot of growers will harvest early if there's a lot of rain coming, even if the grapes aren't particularly ripe, aren't perfectly ripe yet. While some other winemakers will adjust their wine to compensate for either dilution or early harvest, the resulting wine will always be markedly different from one made from a fully ripened or non-waterlogged grape. Again, the position of the vineyard has a major impact on how much uh, actual rainfall will affect the grapes. Okay, so you've covered the, the rainfall. Now tell us about the soil. Of course, of course, let's talk about the soil. Well, there are many, you know, romantic notions about salt or chalkiness. There is so far little evidence to support that vine roots can actually take up minerals in the ways required to transfer flavor so directly. Simply put, you know, the, the mineral ions that a root can take up are very small and essentially flavorless. So not like, you know, a straw just sucking up whatever is underneath it. Of course, a different balance of minerals in the soil will nourish the vine differently, but that won't necessarily translate into the taste in the wine. Uh, what makes a much more difference to the vine is drainage and nutrient levels. What do you mean by drainage? So yeah, drainage relates back to the rainfall. What you want is a good synergy between grape variety, the climate, and soil drainage, you know, the amount of water the soil retains. So in a hot place with not much rainfall, you want grapes that can tolerate the heat without too much water, right? And soil that retains water pretty well. Uh, in a cooler area with a lot of rain, you actually want well-drained soil and grapes that don't need a lot of heat to ripen. Again, this is very oversimplified, but hopefully it's enough to see how aspects of the soil and location can interplay into the final taste of the wine. So good drainage, good soil equals good wine. Mm-hmm. Surely these are things that can be engineered. Well, actually, somewhat counterintuitively, you actually get the best wine grapes from poor soil. Um, too many nutrients actually makes too many grapes, and this reduces the concentration of flavor in each grape. So what you actually want is for the vine to focus all its efforts on a relatively small number of grapes, you know, kind of balanced against uh, economic interests, but to get the best quality wine. So 
older vines on poorer soils develop deeper roots, right? And many growers and winemakers and wine lovers believe this extra work on the part of vine means that it can re better regulate its water intake and also exposes the vine to a different set of nutrients. Hmm. So it sounds like where this is leading is that pesticides can affect the taste and quality of wine. So what impact does pesticide, do, do pesticides have on wine? So on your question about pesticides, there are many you know, pesticide types and the amounts tend to vary widely between producers. And it's actually a pretty contentious issue. Uh, well, let's start with the most basic question. If there are pesticides on grapes, do they get into the wine? Mm -hmm. mm, yes and no. So most wine regions have laws regarding how long before harvest pesticides can be used. Mm. And a general feeling is that this window allows most of the pesticides to dissipate or wash off before the actual winemaking begins. But there are still detectable pesticide residues in wines made from these pesticide-using vineyards. So whether it's on the grapes or taken up by the plants, there's something in there. But as we've now talked about, not all the things that a vine root picks up actually introduce that much flavor. Okay, so in theory, it could have some effect. So, so here's uh, one way you could do it. So, you know, heavy pesticide use tends to have a very big impact on the life of the soil, right? This causes big problems for biodiversity around the vine. It ultimately strips the soil of its fertility. Uh, even though vines do well on poor soils, like I mentioned, they'd still need some essential nutrients, as those don't necessarily get replaced when everything around the vine is dead. So the heavy use of pesticides generally leads to the use of fertilizers, and over time, this leads to weak vines that rely on pesticides to protect them, and fertilizers to feed them. This, kind of dis this is disconnected from the vine and its growing environment, since the nutrients are coming from the fertilizer now, rather than the soil. A lot of people believe that this has a noticeable impact on the quality of the grapes and the wine that's produced. So it's a knock-on effect rather than being a direct uh, ability to taste pesticides in the wine itself. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. And heavy use of you know, fungicides also kill a lot of the natural yeasts and bacteria on the grapes. Uh, this means that getting a reliable fermentation going will actually require a packaged yeast. And this can also have a very big effect on the taste of the wine. So you don't actually taste what's in the wine, in the soil, the sun, or the rain. What you taste is the, the impacts that those things have on the vine. And the same is true for pesticides. It's just an indirect effect, but it is definitely there. That's the conclusion. Exactly, exactly. It's an indirect effect. So now for a final question. Aren't there pesticide regulations that differ around the world, and how do they affect the wine region to region? Oh, Absolutely. Um, apparently, China and the EU have very strict laws than, say, the US or Australia. So someone was telling me that Australian wines were being rejected by China because of pesticide content levels. So wine growers were being forced to set aside parts of their vineyards just to grow for export. There's like a highly toxic weed killer called Paraquat that's banned in China and the UA, EU, but not in the US. Hmm, interesting. Aren't there also regions in wine which differ as far as what pesticides are used? I've heard about that from French uh, wine lovers. Yeah, yeah. So like humid places like Bordeaux and Champagne rely more heavily on the chemical spraying with things like copper-based anti-maldu preparations. So wines from drier regions in the south of France, such as Provence and Rhone Valley, tend to be less loaded with pesticides. Well, now I know. And there's definitely a lot more to this than uh, meets the eye. So thank you for explaining that to us today.
like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review. We'd love to hear what you think. So come join us on our Facebook page at ELI5 The Podcast. See you next week.